are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org.
Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you today. Pastor Robert Williams, who just prayed that prayer, uh, he's been a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene for a number of years, but he told me just a little bit ago, I think he's okay for me to share this, he's 93 years old, and he said, you know, people used to say to me, you're good looking. He says, now they say to me, you're looking good, and it's because I'm 93. Thank you for that blessing, Pastor. My name is David Busick, and I have the privilege from Pastor Rick of introducing our speaker for the morning. Did you know that you're a part of a really big global family? When you're part of the Church of the Nazarene, we're in 164 nations of the world and two and a half million members and more than three million attending. So let me put that in perspective for you. The metro area of Oklahoma City is around one million people. And that means that the Church of the Nazarene is three times the size of Metro Oklahoma City around the world. So you're a part of a really big family. We, we're divided into, three, into six different regions. USA, Canada is one of those regions. And then we have also South America, we have Africa, we have uh, Asia Pacific, we have Mesoamerica, and we also have a place called Eurasia. Eurasia is vast and in a high percentage of the world lives in the place called Eurasia. By the way, we're, we're blessed today to have Dr. Vern and Natalie Ward with us, who, Vern is our global missions director. Vern, would you just, Vern and Natalie, stand up and wave at everybody. We're blessed to have them today. But today our speaker is Jim Ritchie, who is the Eurasia Regional Director. And Jim came to this post in 2020, and he and Maggie, his wife, served for years in the UK, born and raised in Scotland. He pastored our largest Nazarene church in the UK prior to this. He was also a district superintendent in the British Isles North. And uh, Maggie is here. Maggie, stand with you. Let us greet Maggie Ritchie. Before he comes, let me just say this about Jim. I've had a chance to travel with Jim and Maggie, Christy and I together over the last two years, and we absolutely love them. He's an apostolic leader, he's a visionary leader, you're gonna love his heart. But knowing him personally, I just know one thing about him, even though he was raised in Scotland, he's a William Wallace guy, he's a Braveheart guy, but he also loves cowboy stuff. So he watched John Wayne movies growing up. He always wanted to kind of be a cowboy. And this, for the first time, is him in Oklahoma. So to commemorate this, Jim's gonna, he's wearing new cowboy boots. And yesterday, uh, Christy and I took them to the Oklahoma State Fair. Not the best day to take him to the Oklahoma State Fair. But, but he got to eat fried Oreos, he, he got to eat all the other stuff, and they went to their very first rodeo. So Jim and Maggie feel like they're kind of Scottish, but they're also kind of Okies now. Let's welcome Jim Ritchie as he comes to bring them in. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Busick. It's a joy to be here. Good morning. I'm from Scotland. Do you understand my accent? No. <laughs> if I start speaking too fast, the Holy Spirit's on me and I'm preaching, so I'm sorry about that. 
But if I get too, too fast, kind of get your hand up and do this and just say, slow it down, Jim. Yeah, we go. We'll think the Holy Spirit's on the move or I'm going too fast, one or the other. But I went to the state fair last night and, and, and as Dr. Busick said, we, we had all the local cultural cuisine of Oklahoma. We had deep fried Snickers bars. We had deep fried Oreos and I had a turkey leg. Man, it was like Fred Flintstone. It's huge, big dinosaur leg, and, and I'm gnawing away at this. And we loved our time there. But the rodeo, those cowboys and cowgirls, they are crazy. I mean, we saw people that close to death for entertainment. And never since the Romans in the Colosseum have people been so dumb. <laughs> My wife Maggie and I met on summer mission in 1982. That's before... A lot of you in here were born 41 years ago and we fell in love with Jesus and we fell in love with each other and we've been in ministry ever since. And as David said, I've been pastoring in the UK uh, and for the last three years been in this role as regional director for the region of Eurasia. And I want to share a little bit about Eurasia just to give you context because you're a missional church, you support mission all over the world. Missions is not just something the church does. Missions is something the church is. It is who we are. And I want to say this morning, kind of prophetically, some of you in this auditorium, God is going to speak to your heart today about missions. Some of you might be called to the mission field. Some of you might be called to pray for people on missions. And most of you, if not all of you, will be called to give what you have to resource the church, to go in Jesus' name to the ends of the earth as we've just been singing to proclaim that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And salvation comes through Jesus alone. Amen. So I want to tell you about this vast and varied region that we have in Eurasia. If we go to the next slide, please, we'll see the map of Eurasia. Eurasia uh, is 2.5 billion people. Over 25% of the whole world lives in Eurasia. And if you look at that map, all the green on the map you have been is listening our to a message from Bethany First Church Northern in the Europe, the United Kingdom, Western Mediterranean, Scandinavia, Central Europe, Russia and Ukraine, all of the Middle East, India, and South Asia. The Church of the Nazarene is in churches in around 45 to 50 places on that map. And every day, God is moving in power. People are becoming Christians. People are getting saved. But we face challenges. The challenges that we face are on the screen. In Northern Europe, we face secularism and what I call theological, theological coherence. The church is under pressure by a secular world not to believe that the things we believe and not to speak about them. But that's not an option when you're a disciple of Jesus. You live the kingdom, you speak the kingdom. The church, and particularly our young people in Europe, are under pressure at schools and at colleges not to live their faith not to believe the things they believe. Then we go further east in the Middle East and India and South Asia, the church is under severe persecution by radical governments. Recently in India, the church had members murdered, martyred 
because they believe in Jesus. In India and Pakistan, some of our churches have been burnt down. Radical people trying to stop the gospel. But Jesus made a promise. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's, there's war in two places in our region, Azerbaijan and Armenia right now. There's, there's war, there's kind of ceasefire right now, but at any time this could blow up. And of course we have Russia and Ukraine, a war that is just seems impossible to understand or to stop. But we're asking God for more. We're asking God for more of his presence, more of his spirit, more salvation, more healing, more lives transformed. We have, we have regional priorities. We're going to put these on the screen. Seven regional priorities that I want you to pray with me for. We want more mission. We want more people to know Jesus. And we want more people to go on mission and to live the Jesus life. We want more discipleship. We want people to know Jesus and to love him, to follow him and to be mentored in their faith. More compassion for the lost and the broken. More education, teaching people and releasing them for kingdom business. More next generational leadership. More of you young people being released for the kingdom. We want more leadership locally and sustainability. The church is not just a kind of franchise of the American church. The church is the authentic church of Jesus wherever people gather in his name. And we want to be a globally connected region where we're part of all that God is doing through the church of a Nazarene. As Dr. Busick said, you're part of an enormous church and God is doing things that are more abundantly beyond anything we can ask or imagine. So let's turn to God's word for today. If you've got a Bible or a phone, it's just one verse I'm going to concentrate on. But it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and we saw it early on in one of the slides. This is Jesus speaking. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I want to concentrate on this verse this morning and what Jesus said as our first priority as believers. If you're a new Christian, you say, what, what's this all about? This is your first priority. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the righteousness of God and God will give you everything that you need to serve him. This is related to our holiness, to our mission and to our discipleship. And of all the things that Jesus said, this one is unique as he makes a priority and a main task for discipleship where he articulates what he sees for us as the matter of greatest importance to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus said, do this, pursue this, and everything else will take care of itself. These are important words. Therefore, I want to take some time to really consider this verse and the implications it has for our life, for our ministry. I want us to think about how we put the first things first. So I want to ask three questions this morning. And if you take notes or you write stuff on your phone, you can write this down and we'll think it through together. Three questions on this one scripture. Firstly, 
When did Jesus say this and why did he say it? Secondly, what did he mean by the kingdom of God and how do we seek that kingdom? And thirdly, what is his righteousness and how should we seek it? Firstly, why did Jesus say this and when? Well, the occasion for this statement that Jesus made was in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7 as part of the Sermon on the Mount. I want to challenge you. If you have never sat down and read that one passage together, why don't, why don't you do it today or, or sometime this week? Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Because I believe this is the best sermon that has ever been preached. And it's the most significant discourse on how we know God and what he gives us in this new way of living that Jesus described as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a religious concept. The kingdom of God is revolution. It's a radical new way of living that Jesus brought to the earth in fullness. Jesus didn't come to make an old religion better. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God on earth to change everything that you and I might know God and might live for God. When he arrived, he said, the kingdom is among you. The kingdom is at hand. This radical declaration of a new way of living with new standards, with new values. I don't know how you feel, but sometimes as a Christian, I feel that the standards and the values that I live as a disciple of Jesus are upside down compared to the world. That right seems wrong and truth seems silly and silly seems truth. That people are following a value system with influencers telling us how we might live, telling us what we might buy. And their lifestyle and their character has no influence on me whatsoever. But Jesus, he's the ultimate influencer. We live like him. We live life in all its fullness. In this teaching on the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus shared so many radical, revolutionary, life-changing things. He spoke about the Beatitudes. Anybody know what the Beatitudes are? So just firm. When Jesus said, blessed, blessed are you. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. An upside down kingdom where the poor are rich and the rich are poor. Those in power are no longer the ones of influence. Those who were the outsiders are now right in the heart of God. He, th he talks about our calling to be salt and light. That we're, we're here to make a difference. We are here to be an influence. We're here to bring flavor and taste and we're here to preserve values of the kingdom and we're here to shed light on darkness. He talks about moral issues and he corrects some of the poor teaching from the religious leaders. He said, you've heard it said, but now I see. And he deals with moral issues of the day that were so radical murder, adultery, 
divorce, revenge, judging others, and the concept of loving your enemy. He speaks about spiritual disciplines, about fasting, giving to the poor, and prayer. This is where he gives us the Lord's Prayer. We know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, you're awful quiet. Come on, help me. Our there you go. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he talks about every day challenges that we all face. And maybe someone's facing them right now this morning. Anxiety. Worry. Our attitude to possessions. What we wear. What we eat. What we value. And he speaks about a salvation on which we can build our lives and our eternal hope. Amazing teaching. And yet, and yet in the middle of all of this incredible revolutionary thing, Jesus says this, but, but, however, nevertheless, Above all else, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. Everything else will take care of itself. Get this one priority right first and everything else will fall into place. You want your life to make sense. You want your life to matter. You want your following of Jesus to be significant. Then seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And those things will happen naturally. So I'm going to ask you some questions. And these are not rhetorical. That means you, you do have to give me an answer. Sorry, did that sound as if I was pasteurizing? Do you want to live an effective Christian life? Two people here do. Do you want to live an effective Christian life? If you're just coming to church because it's something you do on a Sunday, God bless you, but that's about the end of it. Do you want to live an effective Christian life? Then seek first the kingdom. Do you want this church to be step by step in line with the Spirit of God, with the heart of God at this church? Yes, then seek first the kingdom. Do you want to make an impact in this community for Jesus? Then seek first the kingdom. Do you want this to be a place of prayer and worship, salvation, compassion? Seek first the kingdom. And do you want to see the lost get saved, the sick be healed, the broken restored, the prisoner set free? Do you want to see lives transformed by Jesus? Then seek first the kingdom. And when you do, all of these things will come. You see, Jesus is not just making this a good teaching point. This is not just advice from a prophet or a teacher. This is the key to the kingdom. This is how missions happens. This is how discipleship happens. This is how churches grow. And this is how the kingdom of God is unlocked and heaven breaks out all around us on earth. That leads me to the second question. Well, if this is so important, what is this kingdom? What does it look like and how do we seek it? Well, we get a clue from Jesus' prayer in the Lord's Prayer. 
we get a clue how the kingdom is let loose. I want you to help me again. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? Here on earth as it is in heaven. Literally having come into earth. As I travel around the region, I have seen hell on earth. I have literally seen hell on earth. And as people on my region show me things that have happened, it is hell unleashed on earth. I was sent videos of what was happening to Christians in the northeast of India. And it was literally hell on earth. But heaven can come to earth. God's glory can come to earth. Everything that heaven is, everything that heaven does, everything that heaven has can become part of our daily human experience. And we seek it by seeking him. Jesus literally is the kingdom. He is the kingdom embodied. He is the kingdom incarnated. And his earthly ministry was a revelation of the kingdom because everywhere Jesus went, the kingdom broke out. Does anybody watch The Chosen? Yeah. If you don't, I really recommend it. Our our friends David and Christy tried to get us to watch it for a while and I I just couldn't get into it. But after episode three, kind of all fell into place for me and Maggie and I became addicted. We've watched every episode twice. And why I love it is you actually see the reality of a real person called Jesus, filled with the Spirit as the Son of God incarnate, who did things that only God can do here on earth, in the flesh. The sick were healed, the broken were restored, the lost were found, the captives set free, the hungry were fed, and all the works of the devil were destroyed in his presence. Hell shook and heaven rejoiced when Jesus was around. You know what I believe? I believe when Jesus is around today, that still happens. Because he's the same Jesus. And we're filled with the same spirit that raised him from the dead. In Revelation chapter 21, we get a glimpse into heaven and we see what heaven looks like. We see what Jesus is calling down to earth in that prayer. We see the things that happen there that Jesus says, God, Father, let them happen here. There's no more tears. There's no pain. There's no sickness. There's even no death. Even that great curse The great bully has been vanquished. A new kingdom has come and there's a new sheriff in town. The bad guys are on the run. I did love cowboy movies when I was little and I do love my cowboy boots. And what I loved about it was that there was a kind of good and evil and in the end, good would always win out. Star Wars is basically a space cowboy movie. It's it's true. But the reality of spiritual warfare is this. For one kingdom to come and reign, another kingdom has to flee. 
And we wage war with the weapons of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That's our weapons. And hell has no ability to stand against it. We have uh, three, well, two grandchildren. One's going to be born in a couple of weeks' time. So we're going to have three. We're really blessed. But our oldest boy is called Reuben, and he's three years of age. And he's the cutest little thing. And he talks uh, to me and my wife. He calls her Nana, and he calls me Papi. And we've been reading stories about Jesus, singing uh, Jesus Loves Me songs with him since he was just a baby. And he knows Jesus. But a little while ago, he started to get really scared of monsters. He thought there were monsters in his room and monsters under his bed. And and he was scared of these monsters. And and his mommy and daddy and and, and Nana and Papi said to him, you don't need to be scared of monsters. You've got Jesus. Just ask Jesus to help you. So he told us one time, He was really scared of the monsters. And then he asked Jesus to help him. And this is how a three-year-old put it. He said, I asked Jesus and Jesus went, rawr! (laughs) And the monsters ran away. (laughs) Isn't that good theology for a three-year-old? The lion of Judah roared in his life and the devil went running with a tail between his legs. I think we need to learn to activate the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. And that new kingdom authority that the king is among us and his presence changes everything. So how do we seek this kingdom? We start by seeking its king. When we seek Jesus, the king of the kingdom, all of these things that Jesus promised will be added to us. All these things that I asked you earlier and you said yes to, they're not just possibilities. In the kingdom of God, they are realities. When the king is among us, revival, renewal, restoration are not just possible, they are inevitable because that's what Jesus does. That's what we do on mission. We send people in your name, in the name of Jesus, to places all over our region. And when they go there in Jesus' name, the kingdom comes as an inevitability because they incarnate it. They live it. And I want to tell you this, you are also called to mission. You may be called to the end of the street or you may be called to the ends of the earth, but you are called to go on mission with Jesus and to bring the kingdom to wherever you go. There's a lot of stuff that happens in church. There's a lot of stuff that happens in life. Things that kind of can take first place. But I want to say this, whether you're a young person or like me, you're not so young, but you want to follow Jesus with integrity. Never let anything else take first place before Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Go after his life and his priorities. And that takes me to my last a question this morning. What is righteousness? What is this add-on to the kingdom of God that Jesus said and his righteousness? And how should we seek it? Well, at a basic level, righteousness means to be in a right relationship with God and to be just like him. As Jesus said, be perfect, 
just like my heavenly father is perfect. Spiritually, morally, ethically, completely in harmony with God. Well, there's a challenge. Since the fall, since uh, sin became part of our human DNA, a complete right relationship with God is actually impossible by our own efforts. Psalm 14, Psalm 53 state that everyone's turned away from God. Everyone's been corrupted. No one is good. No one, Isaiah said, is righteous like him. Paul says in Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. His perfect standards are unattainable. They're literally impossible for us. Before a righteous, holy God, by our own human activity, by our own works, it cannot happen. But that's where Jesus comes in. Again, Paul helps us. 1 Corinthians 5, 21, he wonderfully affirms that in our plight, in the place where we could do nothing for ourselves. Jesus changed it all on the cross. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There it is. That's how we become righteous. Coming to Jesus doesn't just make righteousness possible. It makes it inevitable. The Apostle Peter explains it further. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Righteousness is a gift of God's grace that comes through faith, that saving, sanctifying faith that is the work of Jesus. He alone is righteous. He alone could atone for sin. He alone can pay the price for our sin and he alone can set us free and make us righteous. There's an amazing truth that on the cross, Jesus exchanged our sin for his perfect righteousness so that we now stand before God redeemed, restored, forgiven, righteous, holy in his sight because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And if you don't say amen, just go home. That's what he did. So we seek righteousness by first humbly coming and seeking Jesus. Saying, Jesus, I, I, I can't do this. I can't make myself pure. I, I can't get rid of my sin. I, I can't make myself like you. But will you do it in me? Will you do it for me? Give my life to you. Surrender my will to you. All my decisions, all my choices. And fill me with your spirit. And make me like you. And then heaven comes to earth. See, the end goal of all this seeking, seeking the kingdom, seeking the righteousness, seeking Jesus, is that we find him. Jeremiah 29, you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you. Do you want to be found by God? And do you want to find God? Then seek him, go after him. Let heaven come to earth in you and through you. And let God bless you and use you, give you favor. 
Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. What an incredible place. What a history you have. David was showing me all around, telling me some of the story, some of the history. I saw the, the old pastors. I saw David when he had dark hair. Don't just have an incredible history. Don't just have a glorious past. Allow God to come and fill you as a people, to go after him, to seek him as as your first thing, your first priority. Don't just be a Christian who sits on the pews or sits on the chairs and does church and then Monday to Saturday live a different way. Be all in for Jesus. Seek the kingdom. Let the kingdom out. Let the lion roar through his church and let heaven flee as God comes in and releases his people that the kingdom of God and the righteousness of heaven is all around us. Can we pray together? I'm just going to ask the worship team to come and join me as we close. I know you've probably been in services before where a response has been asked and and I'm asking, I'm not asking everybody to do this. I'm literally asking if God has spoken to you and you want to respond to him, then ask that you would simply make that response by either standing or maybe just raising a hand or, or hands. And here's what I'm asking. If you, this morning, have been challenged by God and heard God speak and say, I I don't want to just do church. I don't want to be just where I've been before. I want more of you. I am desperate for more of you. I want your kingdom to come in my life and I want the kingdom to come all around me to see the lost saved, to see the sick healed, to see the broken restored. And I want this church to be a place of the kingdom that people, when they step foot into this building, they will know that the kingdom of heaven is here on earth. So if you want to say, yes, God, I want more of that, then just stand, put your hand up. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that your word never returns void. I pray that what you have said to us this morning will be impactful. And that those who are standing or those who are raising a hand right now in response to your word, that you'll respond to their response. That that as we seek you, they'll find you. And I pray you'll fill them with more of yourself more of your glory more of your kingdom may Bethany First Church of the Nazarene become a place where the kingdom of God is at hand 
and all the signs of the kingdom are breaking out in real people's lives day after day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Thank you for what Jesus did for us to make us righteous. And thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of all our praise. And so we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Healing 
benediction today. Can we sing this chorus together? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let's sing. Seek ye first the Amen. Amen. As you leave this place today, may you go and be active in the mission of God in the world as he provides us the strength to do so. We go out and we tell people all about him and all that he's done in our lives, all that we have witnessed in our testimony to draw them closer to the Lord. Thank you for being here today. You are dismissed.